of the army and we thought that would be a great thing to partake in to get back our own land. That's the voice of the late Montreal war veteran Jerry Gross. It's from a trailer for a documentary about the thousands of foreign volunteer soldiers who went to help the fledgling state of Israel fight its 1948 war of independence. Gross died Saturday in Montreal. He was 96. He was one of the last surviving Canadian Machalniks, as they're called. Machal is the Hebrew acronym for volunteer fighters who came from outside Israel 75 years ago. Gross already had army experience under his belt. He'd served during the Second World War north of Toronto at Camp Borden. He'd wanted to go see action overseas, but he had flat feet. Still, his training would come in handy because after the discovery of the Nazi death camps and the horrors of the Holocaust, the United Nations voted to allow the creation of a Jewish homeland in Palestine in 1947. And Israel's clandestine Jewish militia leaders began secretly recruiting trained men from abroad to help prepare for the fighting they knew would come. Gross was 21 when he made his way to France and then by ship to Palestine with fake documents. Once there, he saw action against the Egyptians and the Jordanians, including in the battles of Latrun to break the siege of Jerusalem. Gross returned to Canada after the war, married and built a successful furniture business. But for the rest of his life, his role in founding the Jewish state was always foremost on his mind says his granddaughter Shira Lazar at his funeral Tuesday. When I think about Zayda, I think about a fighter in more ways than one. I'll miss hearing his stories about Israel, the army in the early days in Montreal. I love the way he would light up when you would ask him to share. He was beyond proud. He had made his own books and presentations. If you Google his name now, you will find interviews he did to document his story. From his family fleeing Ukraine to him courageously leaving with the troops in Toronto to fight for the independence of Israel, his Jewish identity and protecting that was a through line of his life and made me very proud to be Jewish. I'm Ellen Bessner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. While Canadian businessmen helped to smuggle surplus planes, guns and ships to arm the Jewish militia forces in what would soon be Israel, the Machal soldiers like Jerry Gross brought the key fighting know-how to help the ragtag Jewish defense forces during that crucial period when the survival of the nation was at stake. Nearly 5,000 volunteered, 300 came from Canada alone, and not all were Jewish. 11 Canadians died in action. For years, their important contribution was ignored until the Israeli government officially recognized the Mechalniks in 1993. With the death of Jerry Gross, there are just a couple of Canadian Mechal veterans still alive. Filmmaker Jeff Hoffman has interviewed them all over the past few years, and he's more determined than ever that their story will eventually be told on the big screen. Hoffman's a dual Canadian-American citizen, and he joins me now from his home near Boston. My condolences on the loss of one of the major stars of your your production, Jerry Gross. Jerry was a phenomenal character. He was our first interviewee when I started the project in 2016. And because he was a Canadian Jewish war veteran, we had started filming through the Jewish War Veterans Organization. 
and I drove up to Montreal from Boston and met Jerry and interviewed him and we became great friends and I would go often up to Montreal and we'd have bagels and coffee at that wonderful deli near Hempstead there. Um, as I started interviewing more people for the film, like his friend Sidney Kadloff, uh, we had done a number of interviews. We got up to well over 60 people we had interviewed. But Jerry was Jerry was the key because not only was he an original character, but he really had the funniest stories of all. I remember him saying that as a scout, they surrounded an Arab village, just him and another guy, and they had placed alarm clocks around the village. And when the alarm clocks would go off, the Arabs would shoot at the clocks, and that way Jerry and his buddy knew where the Arabs were hiding. So it was a whole village against two people. But that was Jerry's sense of humor. And I got to tell you something, too, about Jerry. He was on the Altalena. People, you know about that probably, right? So the Altalena was carrying weapons right. and members of the Irgun fighters. Right. And the Israeli, uh, the other side, the Haganah, was uh, Ben-Gurion. And it was sort of an intercenine rivalry about how this war was going to proceed. And Ben-Gurion ordered the ship to be fired upon, even though there were Jews on it. That's correct. And Jerry was one of the Navy's gunners. OK. And he as a as a veteran. He decided he could not fire on fellow Jews, so he quietly removed the firing pins from his guns. That was that was Jerry. That was his. Jerry was a such a unique character. He was a hero. He was devoted to creating Israel. He saved Sid's life by doing a tourniquet for him. His friend Sid had been shot, I guess, the first day out there, and was bleeding. And Jerry told us he tied, tied a tourniquet on, saved his life. Uh, saved his, and he lost a leg, though, eventually. Lost a leg. A guy like him would be such a hero for today's Jewish youth who have, don't, they don't have any heroes. You know, 18 and 19-year-old kids. Jerry was born in 26. So 26, 36, 46. He was 22. Today, 22-year-old Jewish kids don't have any inspiration they're being battled at school. They're being told not to speak. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I interviewed so many of these heroes. They were totally selfless. They were not scared. They All they wanted to do was create a homeland. Let's take a bigger picture. Jerry was also important because he was considered one of the leaders of the Montreal Machal volunteers who went over. Right. What is so incredibly important about that as we come up to the 75th anniversary of the state of Israel? He almost made it to watch that. That if it weren't for heroes like Jerry, you know, the 50 million Arabs against the 600,000 Jews, it wouldn't have happened. You needed people like Jerry and the Canadian Machal and the American Machal and the worldwide Machal, who totaled 5,000 members, I think, between four and 5,000 members from 48 countries to be able to provide the help to be able to fight. I mean, there is a whole backstory of how they 
ended up getting fighter craft and weapons from Czechoslovakia and the United States. But if it wasn't for the individuals like Jerry and Bill Novick flying a plane and uh, even the non-Jews, Jesse Slade, an American Indian, the Canadian, in fact, the Canadian Machal, there was a difference because U.S. citizens could lose their they could lose their citizenship and be hung for fighting with a for a foreign nation. Canadians could do that, and that was an interesting difference in the American Machal and the Canadian Machal. So the Canadian Machal were incredible, and they were led by people like Jerry and Joe Warner. What I'm finding interesting about it, though, is even though you say the Americans could have been hung and the Canadians had a little bit less restriction, it was still hush-hush clandestine um, travel. What do you what do you remember people telling you, the Canadians, about how they actually got to to Israel through various ways? Right. They'd go down to New York and then they or they'd go down to Florida and they'd hide out on boats to be able to go over to the Mediterranean. They took boats across. Uh, there were a lot of banana boats. These were paid for by the funders of from the Sonneborn Institute that bought and outfitted these ships for them to go across because obviously it was illegal for them to do that. They did it in great secrecy. Great secrecy. They had parlor meetings, as far as I know, you know, invitation only in Montreal and in Toronto, led by Sidney Shulamson and Ben Dunkelman. But these these men and women... At that time, they had guts. They were not afraid of anything. And they did it. They went over. They had no idea what they were getting into. A lot were were war veterans. And they had, they'd had experience. But after what had happened to the Jews in the Holocaust and what Israel was up against in creating a nation, they volunteered and they fought. And they were not necessarily welcomed by the Sabras. Why do you think that was? Well, according to Ralph Lowenstein, who was president in the United States of the Machal, it was because they didn't want to share the credit, basically. <laughs> they wanted it to appear. A lot of the Israelis wanted it to appear that they did it all themselves and that they didn't need the help from outside. It became an ego thing. And in fact, he wrote a book on that exact subject. Why are the Machalnik stories not well known? So now you have these interviews Right. What do you still hope to do with this film? What do you still need and what are your challenges? There's no record of these people unless we got them on camera. I mean, there might be historical records, but we probably have the largest collection of these interviews. And we got them while these people were still around. Um, there were so many more that we tried to get who did pass away. So basically my goal, what I want to do is make a 90-minute documentary on how inspiring it was for these people to do what they did and provide the backstory. Uh, we, we shared what we're doing with Alan Dershowitz, and Alan Dershowitz had no idea about this project, and he even gave us a promo that how important it is for Jewish youth to know about this history. Would you say, speaking, we're going to turn back to Jerry just for as we yeah. end, did he ever speak to you about being troubled? When you look at it back today, a lot of the uh, people who study Israel's war of independence, of course, bring up the controversial topic of um, displacement of the Arab, the Arab population. And I wondered if you'd ever broached that subject with him, how he felt about that. Without a doubt, I would have to say, 
that what our Mahalniks went through, they wanted a country, they wanted the, the country of Israel to survive. They were not in favor of any compromises or two-state solutions or anything like that. They were young Zionists who believed in Israel's right to exist. After six million Jews had been killed, so many, even the Holocaust survivors that they were fighting with on the battlefields, when they'd see them run up against the Arab armies, throwing telluses, the bag that the telus is in, I forget what it's called, but they throw it full of dynamite. They were, They said, we'd rather fight for Israel than die in a concentration camp. I believe those kinds of people were inspiring for the Mechalniks, and the Mechalniks, as a result, to answer your question, were uncompromising. So I would have to say, and Jerry and I probably did talk about it, and I'll tell you, I'm in, as a film, as a, as a Zionist Jew, I'm with Mort Klein on all this. There were many chances for the Arab countries to get land. They always voted against it, time and time and time and time again. So I believe that people like Jerry, the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds, they weren't looking for compromising situations. They wanted the country of Israel, even if it was tiny, they wanted it to exist. Jerry Gross left behind five children, 14 grandchildren, and 13 great-grandchildren. He was a widower. He still lived in his own apartment in Westmount Square after the death of his late wife, Edda, in 2018. His family says Gross came from nothing, grew up in Montreal during the Depression, and it was thanks to his handsome features and bigger-than-life personality and drive that helped him succeed in life. Here's daughter Bettina Morris from her eulogy. But he was Clark Abel. Not only did he look like Clark Abel, a look landed him jobs modeling men's suits, and a look that kept my mother on her toes. He had a personality that matched that of a movie star. Over the years, he owned a pink Cadillac convertible, a yellow Cadillac convertible, and a turquoise Cadillac convertible. When you were with my dad, you knew you were going to be seen. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Judith Nemes of Chicago, and we interviewed her brother Sidney recently about the closure of his Montreal kosher butcher shop and deli. And we'll end the show with the words from Gross's granddaughter, Ali Rosanoff. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. A couple of years ago, my brother interviewed Zeta for a project and asked him, when you die, what do you hope people remember you as? And his response was, as a hero in the creation of our homeland. When I visited Israel in 2017, I took great pride in the fact that my Zeta was one of the many men and women who risked their lives for something so important to the Jewish people. He always wanted to share a story about Israel and make sure that they outlived him. Mm-hmm.